This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to the Energized with Dr. Marisa podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marisa, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones, optimize your metabolic health, and feel energized in your body so that you can age powerfully and wake up feeling amazing in your body for many years to come. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. The last time you felt triggered or irritated about something your partner or a family member said or did, or maybe even about running late to an appointment. Was it yesterday, today, or at some point this week? I feel like this time of the year can bring up so many of our wounds that cause us to be reactive. Childhood wounds around our worthiness or lack thereof, feeling prioritized or trust or even belonging. I've spent a big portion of my life experiencing that uncomfortable feeling of being reactive or just firing back when I was overwhelmed, struggling, or even backed into a corner. And let me tell you, nothing good has ever come from me firing back at anyone. Not only did it bring me more suffering and struggle and it completely deregulated my cortisol levels, it also created a crappy feeling in the other person as well. And to think about it, nothing good ever really came from rushing anywhere or being harsh or being too rigid. More often than not, in these moments, we are getting triggered due to unprocessed wounds that originated when we were children, wounds that are often challenging to identify and even more challenging to heal. And quite possibly, how we show up in the world is based on an adapted, learned response we learned as children that we are still using today. Because it worked for us then, why shouldn't it still work for us now? Now, I will never forget when a coach I had been working with asked me something that left me speechless because it was not on my radar. It was just the way I operated. She asked me, who would you be if you were not driven by what you claim to be your superpowers? Someone who is always on top of it. Someone who is always on time. Someone who is always constantly making sure everything and everyone is okay. Someone who is constantly moving on to the next thing. Who would you be if you didn't live by the phrase, the standard is the standard? And as I sat there, I had no idea who I would be. This was who I was. At that moment, it felt like she was saying, who would you be if you completely gave up your identity? 
But I knew in that moment, as I sat there, not able to say anything, that I wanted to know because I was tired. I was exhausted of being driven by my four-year-old self and my 13-year-old self, two younger versions of me that lived through in crazy trauma. In my experience over the last 12 years helping women with hormonal imbalances, I believe one of the biggest root causes for hormone issues is trauma and chronic stress, which is quite possibly driven by trauma, right? The way that we respond to this world is an adaptation often due to issues that happened, traumas that happened when we were younger. I know so much of the way that I operate in this world is because of trauma. I even, I mean, it's not necessarily funny, but people will ask me, man, you are so reliable. You're so on top of it. You just get everything done. Like you're on time. And like, how did you learn to do that? And my answer is like, it's trauma. It is a trauma response that I picked up when I was a child because I thought that if I was successful, if I was on top of it, if I was so reliable that I had, that I was worthy, that I was worthy enough, that I was worthy of belonging. This is what drove me. Ultimately, it was a lack of worthiness because I felt so unworthy as a child. Here's something I know every woman can agree on. Stubborn belly fat can feel like the worst, especially when you've tried everything to lose it. Not to mention, belly fat can be dangerous for us too. According to a brand new study, women over 40 who have excessive belly fat are up to 20% more likely to suffer a heart attack. And no surprise, hormones are involved in belly fat production, which is actually good news because we can optimize your hormones and metabolism for a flatter stomach. And that's exactly what I'm offering to you as a free gift today. My Belly Slim Down Guide gives you three effective strategies to get rid of belly fat, along with recipes to reduce bloating, balance your blood sugar, and speed up your metabolic furnace to optimize fat burning. So grab the Belly Slim Down Guide with my proven protocols and recommendations and recipes now at drmarisa.com slash slimdown. That's drmarisa.com slash slimdown, and the link will be in the show notes. Now, I know today that my chronic stress issues, my Hajimoto's, even my fatigue have all been physical manifestations of unprocessed childhood trauma. My entire operating system for years was driven by scarcity and survival created by many traumatic events throughout my childhood. Now, I call trauma and chronic stress the intangible root causes that drive illness in the body because they are so difficult to measure, right? That's that intangible piece. But man, do they cause so much chaos in our bodies, especially if you're someone who's constantly operating in that survival mode, right? Your body is just wearing down over time. This is impacting our energy, our sleep, our mood, our metabolism, our reproductive system, just to name a few. And they can show up in behaviors as well, right? Being indispensable for everyone around us, being reliable all the time, people-pleasing, peacekeeping, always fitting in or playing small or even overachieving, right? Running to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing, right? All of these behaviors are often patterns from things that we learned as children. Now, although I've touched upon trauma a couple times on this show, I really want to highlight how our origin wounds have a way of influencing the way that we show up on a daily basis. And there is no better person to enlighten us than Vienna Ferron. 
Now, Vienna Farron is a licensed marriage and family therapist and one of New York's New York City's most sought-after relationship therapist. She has practiced therapy for over 15 years and is the founder and owner of the group practice Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy. She has been featured in The Economist, Netflix, Vice, and Motherly, and has led workshops for Peloton and Netflix, among others. Her newest book, The Origins of You, is a national bestseller, and she is the host of the brand new podcast, This Keeps Happening. So we're going to be talking about all of this today, including why this keeps happening, right? Our patterns, the same arguments, the same responses, the same reactivity. We're going to get into that and really cut to the core of these woundings that happen to us as children or maybe even as teenagers and even young adults. So let's welcome Vienna Farron to the show. Welcome to the Energized Podcast. Oh, it is a pleasure to get to have you here. I've been prepping all week for this interview. I've been talking to friends, even my husband. I think my son may know I'm doing this interview today. <laughs> Everybody knows. I'm Everybody so knows. To be here. Thank you um, for having me. Oh my goodness. Such a pleasure. I've been diving into your book. I'm almost done with it. Um, and just congratulations on that. And what I would love to do, just diving in, you know, because I'm just, I just love your work um, and your book, The Origins of You. And I know that in that book, you're unlocking a healing process to help the reader, help all of us understand our family of origin and that framework and to kind of figure out like how we operate in that system and how we can heal from whatever we kind of took on from that. And I was curious for you in, in your development of this process, what was that defining moment for you where you understood that not only do all of us have some level of childhood wounds, um, but that you even discovered that maybe that it was kind of, that it was playing out for you as well. So was there a defining moment for you where you're just like, aha, like this is the thing that so many of us could benefit from if we really understood it? Yeah, there's, I mean, I think I still have those moments, honestly, and, you know, the gift that keeps on giving, which is life and yes. relationships <laughs> that hold mirrors back to us. And, you know, I, I also have a little boy um, close in age to, to yours, uh, right? And it's like, oh, these kiddos, they, they hold up the mirrors and our partners hold up the mirrors and our reactivity holds up the mirrors, right? It's like all of that keeps on pointing us back to the things that are unresolved from the past. And I do think there was, there's a few uh, that stand out, but there was one in my mid to late twenties, I was dating someone and his ex came back in the picture and, you know, he's trying to figure out whether he was going to go back into the relationship with her or stay in the relationship with me. And then insert Vienna, who I chalk some of this up to being a therapist, but also a lot of this up to my wounding, which I can share a little bit more about. Um, but cue Vienna. And I'm like, of course, no worries. Take all the time you need, whatever you, if you need to spend time with her to understand and yada, 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 M mind you all this while we're actually in a relationship. And I constantly during that time pretended like I was fine. I was okay. I was unaffected. I was, I was the cool girl. I always say that I held on to this persona that I wanted to be the cool girl, um, and present that way. And I did for a couple of weeks during that time. And then I remember having a conversation with a friend and so much of it clicked in because I, 
I saw so clearly that this role that I was holding on to embodying at this point in my life was the same role that I had taken on as a little girl. So, so rewind, my parents went through a nine year divorce process when I was in first grade. I'm an only child. So I was a tiny little human in this system that was crashing and burning around me. It was extreme. It was really extreme. There was a lot of manipulation, gaslighting, psychological abuse, uh, paranoia, emotional flooding, high, high, high conflict. It was a really scary environment to be in yeah. in a lot of different ways. And, you know, as a tiny little human, the way that I decided to deal with that was to pretend to be fine, to pretend to be unaffected, to get good at the things that I put my mind to. And so it was tiny at the time, but like, as I was growing up, right, it's like, okay, violin and sports and German and, you know, and, 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 and from the outside looking in, I was this very well-adjusted child. I mean, people commented on it all the time. Wow. She's so well-adjusted. Wow. She's so well-rounded. Wow. 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 was like, ah, you know, I have successfully deceived everyone. You know, I did get good at those things, but I successfully deceived people into believing that I was okay. And I needed to be okay from my point of view, because there wasn't room for me to not be okay. I looked at the adults in my life who were crashing and burning around me, who were unwell. And I believed that there wasn't room for me to not be well too. And so I pretended and I pretended from that point on and decades later, right? I was this needless little girl who turned into a needless woman who was boundaryless, who pretended like she was okay and fine, who believed that if she brought anything forward that wasn't okay, I'm fine, would mean that there would be ruptures in the relationships, that people would leave, that it wouldn't be okay, that the system couldn't withstand me not being okay, if that makes sense. And so, you know, when you ask, is there a pivotal moment you know, I'm here, I am in my like mid late twenties. And listen, I was already a therapist at that point. I went into my graduate work, uh, right after university and, you know, was a practicing clinician, you know, at 23 years old. And, you know, I was a good enough therapist, you know, for, for a period of time, but you know, we, I, well, I joke, we, anybody who gets into this line of work, uh, whether we know it or not, uh, we're, we're coming in to resolve that, which is unresolved. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time when I entered into grad school, I was like, Oh, my parents divorced. It didn't affect me. I'm good. Like they're good friends. Everybody's fine. Like we do holidays together now, which is true. And there had been a huge evolution in their relationship, but what was not true was that their divorce didn't affect me. And I did not know how to let myself be affected. I mean, this just wasn't something that I had practiced. I didn't know how to be with emotion. And that might sound shocking, um, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, here's this person who was a therapist. And I was, I was a, a good therapist, but I think when I started to work with people more and more, because now I've you know worked over 25,000 hours with individuals, couples, and families and direct clinical work, it's like every single time we get to this place where there's an unwanted pattern, right? Where there's this loop, where there's this thing that we can't change, that we say that we want to change, it's pointing to something from before this moment that has not been resolved. And, you know, so that was the personal story for my life that really like had me turn back 
around. It's like, I knew intellectually this, this stuff, right. Cause I had studied it, but it was something that I really had to live through really break through because even in the early years of being a therapist, I was still trying to push away the idea that I had had pain, that I had had trauma, that I had had wounds that had never been acknowledged, that had never been addressed, that had never been tended to. Right. And like, that's what I say about pain. It's like, it just wants our acknowledgement. Pain's Mm -hmm. not out to destroy us. It's not out to get us. It's not rubbing its hands together, cynically laughing at us saying like, ha ha ha, here's another pattern. I'm going to drop in her lap. Right. It's like, Hey, I'm going to keep poking my head up and I'm going to keep presenting patterns for you because I would really love for you to turn back around to me and acknowledge me, to see me, to honor me. We don't have to stay here forever. And I promise you that when you do that, my grip on you will loosen. And that is what happens. And, you know, I've been the great honor of working with people day in and day out. And so, you know, professionally, I see this all the time, even when people come in and they're like, no, 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 my, my family was perfect. <laughs> like, okay, give me, a, <laughs> give me one more session, right? We're going to, we're going to get somewhere. And it's, I mean, it's such a big LOL because so many people, you know, months later are like, oh my God, remember when I came in the first time and I told you my, like my family was perfect and there's nothing there and you're not going to find anything. And then right, like weeks, months later, and we're, you know, we're unpacking, you know, big stuff, but I know that this is hard to look at. And I know that there's plenty of reasons that we don't want to go there, right? That we just want to keep our eye on the prize and keep moving forward. And the stuff from the past from decades ago doesn't have a hold on us. And like, let's just keep chugging along. But what I have found both personally and professionally is that anywhere that there is a level of stuckness, right? Where there are those unwanted patterns that keep showing up, where there is the reactivity, where it is we give people advice, but we can't take it ourselves, you know, where we have outsized reactions to things, right? Like those are the arrows that point us back into, you know, looking at our family of origin, looking at the family systems that we grew up on in and really understanding what it is that we experience there and what it is that we observe, right? Because sometimes things don't happen directly to us, but sometimes it's what it is that we see between dad and sister or the parents or, you know, some other dyad in, you know, in the dynamic. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of invitations for me uh, to look back at this and really, you know, dissect it and unpack it as much as possible. Um, I have a personal question more so because, you know, I, you telling me that you have a, a little one, we're close to age <laughs> and, yeah. you know, going through such a painful, long drawn out divorce, um, mm-hmm. where there was a lot of, I mean, I read the book and, and, you know, just the idea of if you just, you and your mama being in that closet, like what a scary day that had to have been. And, um, and then, and then, you know, was when, when you were kind of you know, doing a lot of the review for yourself in, in the decision to become a mother, um, was there, was there a process for you in terms of looking back or had you felt like you had done a lot of the origin work going in, or did you have an intention of, of what you would love for it to look like coming into this new and into becoming a mom? Like after, after living through that, um, did you have an intention for how, how you and your, you and your husband wanted to show up or how you especially wanted to show up for your, your child coming in? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think I had a child, uh, at, I guess I, I think I was 35, um, 
It's so funny. It feels like there's a point where it all jumbles together. <laughs> You're like, I don't know how old I am anymore. And like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know what the years are, but yes. So I had, uh, I, I had waited a little bit of time and I, that, that was important because there had been a lot of healing and a lot of attention to what it is that you're talking about. And my husband, same, right. So he's a couple of years older than me. Um, and I'm, I feel lucky to have a partner who is as, you know, self-aware and, you know, committed to this work as I am. And there was so much that I feel like had been kind of flushed out and resolved. And we had talked about so much before entering into this space. But what I think is a little bit funny is that uh, I think it is easier that I had a little boy first. Um, that That's all of that I have right now. But I think it would have been slightly more complicated had it been a little girl for me. So we, we laugh, my husband and I, because we're like, all right, well, his, his lessons came first. <laughs> right. And it's like, right. <laughs> there's right where it's like, Ooh, you know, like, because being a little girl myself and sort of the expectations that I held for, for me, um, like there was still some work that I felt like I needed to do to almost like make space and room for a little girl to enter. Yeah. If, if God willing, if, if that's something that happens at some point, but it's, yeah, it's a really interesting question because I think there's like, there's a preparation to a certain degree, but also so many parents ask me like, how, well, how do you make sure that you don't create wounds for your children? You're like, you, you will, you know, we, we know right. that for sure. We try to do our best to um, minimize the big stuff, right? It's like, we, we, we want to try to protect as much as possible. But what I find so important and what was really important for me was, can I be in a place where I can rush to repair as quickly as possible? Can I be in a place as a mother where I can get to a place of ownership, accountability, and apology, right? Can I move my stuff out of the way in order to get to that place? Because repair is the thing that matters. It's not, you have a little rep, you're going to disappoint your children. You're going to let them down. You're going to say the wrong things. Sometimes we're going to do our best not to do those things, but we know that they're going to happen. Sometimes we're going to have a strong reaction one day when we're like, Ooh, shoot. I didn't, ah, yuck, I didn't I'm working so right. hard to not yes. ever have that happen. And God yeah. willing, it hasn't yet, but you, I, yeah. who knows, you know, but who, but, of course, yes. but like their life, there could human, be a day I, where you're Hello. just beyond yes. exhausted and it all just kind of hits the fan, but yeah, repair is yes. everything, you know, repair is everything. And I think that's part of it is like the intention of minimizing as much pain as possible. Good. The idea that your child is going to get through the entirety of their lives without any rupture whatsoever feels really far off and really mm -hmm. like part of their work too is coming back from that as well. And so for me, like stepping into parenthood absolutely was a commitment to continuing to resolve that, which is unresolved, not, I need to be perfect. I need to have resolved every possible last thing before I step into this, but just a commitment to continuing to resolve that, which is unresolved and a commitment to repair, to take ownership, accountability, to apologize as quickly as possible and to not let, you know, eager ego or stubbornness or whatever get, get in, in the way, way of that. Mm, that is yeah. so beautiful. And I love that because there, there feels like so much, um, permission 
and spaciousness there um, that that feels so good. Because I know that there are a lot of mamas listening to this who have teenagers, who have mm-hmm. twenty year olds. And, it was, and you know, Dr. Becky talked in her last TED talk was just about people want to know: is it too late? And it's mm-hmm. in, in it's never too late. Like you always get to yeah. repair. Um, I will say yes. that you know, as I've even had even if yeah. they even if they're pissed at you, even if they're like, I still hate you, even if whatever it is, right. To still go through the motions authentically, wholeheartedly, right. Like that penetrates something, even if your teenager is still like, screw you, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, or slams mm-hmm. the door or whatever it might be. Right. Like, I, I feel like that part is so important is that you have to go through the motions authentically, wholeheartedly, regardless of the outcome, regardless of getting them to do something in return to you. I agree. Thank you. That, that really gives, cause I wanted to speak into that, you know, cause I know maybe someone's listening and they're like, my kids are such and such old and my, you know, and, and maybe it's too late. And, and I, I don't think it ever is. Uh, my my mom, you know, I I I talk about it on the show, but it was a very tumultuous and abusive, um, you know, childhood. And my mom has watched me, witnessed me raise my son, her grandson, and I I think she apologizes every time she comes over, every because I think she's just so mind blown about how different it is, how the how I talk to him, the way that I respond to him. She's just like what is that like, you know, she's just like, Oh my God, I hadn't, I just didn't know. I just had no idea. Um, and so, and I think a lot of us, you know, as, as family dynamics, it's interesting, you know, and I'd love to hear your take on this, you know, as family, I find this generation, you know, Gen Z or younger and myself or people younger than myself, when we are, we are digging deep into our patterns. We are digging deep into our wounding and, and really trying to become better people, not only for ourselves and in loving ourselves and trusting ourselves, but in our relationships. And especially as hopefully as parents as well. Um, and, and we know that generations before us didn't have the tools that we have today. And I was curious to you, like, how have you seen that dynamic play out where you've got, you know, you take yourself, you know, doing, doing the work. And then maybe you've got a grandma who isn't doing, who doesn't, doesn't even know that there was work to be done, you know? And so I was curious how, how that plays out. Have you seen that play out, um, particularly this last decade or so? Yeah. I think it's the balance of, you know, grace and compassion for, for the human and also accountability and ownership. It's like, we know that there's context and I think context is very important, but context is also not an excuse maker. And and I think as, you know, it's so important for us to be in the nuance of that and navigate those relationships this way. You probably haven't gotten it, gotten to this part in the book, because I know you have a little bit more to read, but right at the end of the book, um, I, there's a exercise that uh, is offered and Michael, it's an exercise from Michael Kerr. And he says, I want you to think of your mother as your grandmother's daughter and see how that shifts your perspective. Mm, mm. And I really appreciate that again, not because it's an offering for excuse making, but it is an offering to remind us that every single person was a tiny little human at one point 
who was growing up in a family system that likely had some complexity to it, that likely had some complications to it, where there was probably some pain or medium amount of pain or a lot of pain, some wounding and some trauma, right? And so yeah. when we can remember, when we can hold these individuals with a little bit of that in mind, I think that is where the grace and compassion comes in. Now, also yes, ownership and. and accountability and responsibility, right? And that's the piece is like, we kind of toggle back and forth between this. Yes, the generation before, they didn't have as much support in this area. Going to therapy, it's uh, something that a lot more people do today. We have social media that talks about this on so many different pages, right? It's like, it's so common now for people to be in this work without there being shame or embarrassment around it. And so there's a lot more openness um, and a lot more sources for people to pull from now, which is beautiful. But I think it's the the part where, you know, your mama is like, oh my gosh, like this is a different world probably for her to see you mm -hmm. parenting the way that you, you are. Yeah. And, and, and beautiful, you her. know, yeah. I think it, I think she's hopeful and, 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 and grateful um, and, and to yeah. some degree, and, you know, we are, we are, we are literally, we're talking about you and I were just talking about family dynamics. And I, mm -hmm. I do want to switch over to that right now. Cause I know many people are in family dynamics at the moment. And my mama yeah. was in a family dynamic with her mother, um, just a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago on uh, talking about me actually. And, and my mm -hmm. mom kind of rising to the occasion to defend me over, it, it doesn't really matter, but, um, you know, my, my mom, you know, said, she's like, I, how, why, why was I chosen to be this woman's daughter? You know, it, it's just, there's so much pain there. And I have mm -hmm. so much compassion. I, I remember apologizing to her because I just felt she's just, she's never felt loved by her mother. And, um, and it's, it's just so heartbreaking to me, but I, the idea, like being a mom now, yeah. you know, and I can't even imagine, you know, just the, 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 the oozing, of love everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's all over our home. It's everywhere. My, my son can't escape it. If anything, he's over hugging everyone at school right now, you know, like there's a lot of things <laughs> going on and, um, but we need to respect other kids autonomy, but, uh, you know, and so, um, and so it's, it's such a different energy than what my mom grew up. And so I, I love that question. And I feel like I've put, I've, I've imagined my mom as a little person yeah. so many times, and I've been so heartbroken for her. You know, that's right. Yeah. And also we know that healing can also happen in the other direction too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so being loved by you watching your love for your son, right? Like those are things that are, that can be really deeply healing for someone, but yeah, that's heartbreaking, you know, to hear your mom say something like that, like, oh, why was I chosen to be this woman's daughter? This is a painful role to have. And it also sounds like, you know, there hasn't been resolution there. And that piece, right, that like kind of goes and goes and goes when somebody doesn't change, right? When somebody just stays exactly the same way as they were decade after decade after decade after decade. Because um, I know, you know, your, your mom's mom is pretty old now. 90. I yeah. Imagine, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, oh, you know, 90 years on this earth and still presenting this way. Right? Mm -hmm. And there's reasons and there's context for it. And maybe we don't know much about it, but it's so painful and so hurtful for your mama. And, you know, I think when we do this work, 
it's an interesting perspective because a lot of times when people hear like, oh, well, you know, people like to minimize their stories sometimes Absolutely. and, or they invalidate it or they explain it away or they rationalize it. And they're like, well, you know, my mom was so much better than how her mom was to her. Right. You hear that mm. all the time. It's like, people don't want to go into that space or they did the best that they could with what they had or what they knew, you know? And it's like, yep, true and true and true and true and like our work is to be with the and right it's to be able to honor the fact that like yes absolutely they were little humans who had a hard go as well and I still have to acknowledge my story I still have to honor what happened in my life so that I can move it right? So that I can find an internal peace so that I can have the life and relationships that I desire, that I pray for, that I say that I want, so I can set the boundaries that I'd like to set so that I can navigate conflict differently than I have been, right? It's like, if we want these changes, then we have to honor and acknowledge our stories properly. Mm. One of the things you talked about, you know, when, and I've talked to a lot of friends over the years about, you know, the, that kind of that response of, but my childhood was good or it was good enough. And, but I, and I have friends who were abused by their, their uncle, or they're abused by their parents, or they were put into foster care. And so we, you know, there's that a minimizing that, that ends up happening, um, that where we don't, we're like, well, ours, our trauma isn't as big as their trauma. So it can't be a big trauma. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, in, in what I've read in the book and what I've known to be true forever. And I used to think that my trauma was bigger than other people's traumas when I was a little girl, I was, you know, and I thought, yeah. And, and so I, I feel like I played into that on the other direction. Um, but one of the things I think I walked away from in the book is that, you know, obviously, you know, little T's or big T's or whatever the system was that, that it has an impact, especially if we're seeing patterns come up, mm-hmm. play out all the time. Um, I guess the question I have is, do we, is it important for us to go back and try to figure out what it was in order for us to heal that pattern? Um, Because I know for some people, they have a hard time figuring it out because maybe there's just all that stuff of like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call that wound comparison. Okay, yeah. right? is that we got caught in wound comparison, and actually both ways. I love that you bring forward that you would say my trauma is bigger than other people's, right? As you hear people say, "Oh, well, somebody else had it way worse than I did." Either one, all of that, any type of wound comparison is a distraction away from your pain. Because what mm-hmm. happens when you're like, "My trauma is so big," "My trauma is so big," you know what you're doing? You're just talking about how big your trauma is. Is still distracting away from what needs to happen. Oh, mine's not so bad. Mine's not so bad compared to this person. Distraction away, right? And so, yeah, like this work of coming back into presence and you know acknowledgement and honoring. Is it? You're, it's a great question. Some people don't can't remember. Right. Yeah. It's with the systems protecting from it. We're not ready to go there. We don't have the memory of it. It's too far gone. Um, for some of us, we do have the memories. Um, I love, you know, my work of course is family of origin work and the origin right of the wound for me is a really powerful, um, is a powerful process of like, when is the first time that this shifted the trajectory, right? That, that this changed the way that I relate to my worthiness, the way that I relate to my belonging, my, my prioritization, my trust, my safety, but 
if we can't remember, that's okay. Then you go to the first time you can remember it or the last time, even if it was 10 years ago, mm. and it doesn't matter if we get caught up searching, searching, searching. Cause sometimes people are like, well, there was nothing in four or five or six years old, right? They get caught in these early right, years. Right. Cause they're like, those are like, supposed to be the yes, years, you know, it had to be within that window before right? seven. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 it could be 13 and it could be 21, right? It's like the first time something happens that disrupts something significant, that sets the framework, that sets the tone and the way that we relate in these, the five origin wounds that I talk about in the book are worthiness, belonging, prioritization, trust, and safety. And, you know, when I sat down to write the book, I'm, you know, going through like, what are all the wounds that all of us have ever experienced in our lives? And I'm like scribbling everything down. And ultimately I felt like these five really encompass uh, the human experience. They're just labels. They, but they're not boxes for us to, you know, fit into. And it's also not true that whatever your experience is means that it goes with a wound. It's how we internalize it. So for example, if dad leaves and there's an abandonment there, one person might internalize that as a worthiness wound, meaning, ah, I wasn't good enough for you to stick around and stay. For someone else, they might internalize it as a trust wound. The closest people in our lives are not to be trusted because they're just going to leave, right? So it, I, I give that example because it's like sometimes people are like, oh, where do I fit in the wounds? And it's it's this very personal experience and inquiry of being like, how did I internalize the things that happened in my life, right? So we don't have to get like, I think it's important to to understand parts of our story, of course, without getting lost searching for something that we can't find, right? So it's like, look for it, but gosh, if like three months in, you know, you're like, I don't know, I can't have, I don't have the memory, then that's a distraction too, right? Like where mm -hmm. you're like, I have, but I have to pinpoint the thing because it has to make sense to me because sometimes people get so caught up in the like the dots have to connect. And sometimes the dot is just a sensation. You know, mm. sometimes the dot is just a knowing of something without being like, here's the actual facts of what went down. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious. And also I was curious because I know sometimes some of these memories and maybe one of the reasons why they're being gated in this, in the body can be so painful, you know, to pull up yeah. and to relive, you know, I feel like there's going to be so much kind of relived trauma in that, um, I know I, for me, I felt like I was stuck in a loop for many, many years, kind of the, the big trauma memory, kind of something very similar to what happened to you, um, played out. And it was, it was very much tied to a worthiness. Um, but I remember, you know, as a child, I was stuck, I was stuck in the loop of it for so long. Um, cause it was just so painful. And, and that's why I was curious to know, you know, you know, how deep do we go into that? If it is so painful, um, you know, and then, you know, is it, is it necessary for, for healing those patterns, that worthiness pattern? Like, is there, is there some fluidity in terms of, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I think that it, the goal is not to relive our trauma. The goal is to bear witness to it. Mm. And that to me is such, there's, 
there's such a distinction there. Right? I agree. And, you know, and, and listen, I think for many people doing this work, you need to do it with a professional, you yeah. know, you need to do it with someone who's going to be able to walk through this with you, right? For some people, they might be able to do this on their own. And, you know, they don't need somebody to sort of like walk hand in hand with them. But for, for some people, I, especially if you have trauma or complex trauma, like absolutely highly recommend working with someone who is qualified to, you know, walk alongside of you. But it's not about reliving the trauma and the pain. It's about bearing witness to it. We need to bear witness. Witnessing has to happen in our healing. That's, I mean, that has just been my experience personally and professionally. And I don't know how it moves without it. You know, I, I just, I haven't seen that happen where it's like, okay, how do you heal something if mm -hmm. you don't, don't have know. it witnessed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, I think there's this like kind of nuanced difference to like, oh, like, let's just try to remember the pain. Let's just try to remember the detail. No, we don't have to do that. We have to bear witness though, to little her, little, yeah. right? Like we have to bear witness and I don't need every single detail. And again, like you said, we don't always remember all of the details anyway. It's not mm -hmm. that it's not important if mm -hmm. they're there. Okay. They're there, but we don't have to go digging for them. We just have to bear witness. And that's part of the origin healing practice is like, it feels very important to identify, you know, wh where the wounds are, you know, which wounds we have. Some people like, I had some people after they read the book, they're like, um, is it possible to have all five? <laughs> like, yes. They're I like, have, what does I that have mean? many that of right? the five yes. <laughs> yes. from different right? situations, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those, the, the categories, if you will, it's just a framework. It helps us, right? Like have a language for something of like, right, that's my worthiness wound that's activated or, oh, right. That's my prioritization wound that is activated here. But it's like, yeah, you might have one, you might have multiple, you might have all five. Um, yeah, we both have a, a number of them, <laughs> uh, but we have to work ourselves through, you know, naming and identifying what the wounds are, bearing witness, so self with self, gosh, when we can get witnessed by someone else outside of us, oh, there's, there's very little uh, that is more beautiful than that and more profound than that. So if we had that, whether it's a partner, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a trusted, safe friend, beautiful, grieving, there has to be a part of it too. And then the last part in the origin healing practice is about the pivot, right? Is about like, okay, as I've done this work, as I've spent enough time witnessing and grieving, right, there's a bit of space that starts to take shape mm -hmm. right, between sort of reactivity and how we respond to that reactivity, right? Like how we're going to communicate back or deal with our boundaries or be in conflict or how we're going to protect ourselves, right? Because when our wounds get activated present day, you know, that emotional armor comes out. Right? Like we're going to go like in a, in battle, a right? millisecond, yes. like in, in a millisecond, it's there. Right. And it's here to protect, but you know, what always tends to happen, right? Like when we're coming from this place where we're not super present with ourselves, or we don't know what's actually happening in our internal experiences, that our protection is all about disconnection from somebody else. Right. It moves us further away. We get, you know, for me, the way it looked was point proving. That's where I would mm. go. 
I needed to be right. I was a point prover. I remember having a conflict with my partner before we were married. I have no clue what we were fighting about, but I do know that I was like proving my point and I was doubling down and tripling down. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm continuing to go and I'm continuing to prove my point. And I'm like, have an out-of-body experience. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so gross. You're going to stop doing this. And then finally I stop. Shame enters in, little spiral goes. And then finally I'm like, get out of here, get curious, replace shame with curiosity. Cause these behaviors that we bring forward, right? We know they're protective, they're protecting something, but if you just stay in shame, you're never going to understand what it is. So you have to bring in curiosity. And I got really curious, like what does needing to be right protect you from? Mm-hmm. And that arrow took me right back into my family system. As I said before, um, there was a lot of gaslighting and manipulation, psychological abuse that took place. And I watched that it wasn't directed towards me, but it was directed towards my mom. And I remember, you know, my dad was just really quick with his words and he was just a master manipulator. And I remember watching it and I remember thinking, okay, safety, power, control over here. That's here. Where the like he's nailing it over yes. here. He's, he's winning it over here. He's winning. And that's where protection and safety is. Mm-hmm. And she over here is not winning, not winning because it was crazy. Of course it was, cra- it was crazy making. Of course it was. Right. And it was like, disempowered and unwell and right. All of the things I was like, Ooh, not safe losing. Right. And so when I finally was able to connect to that, I had so much more compassion for myself. It's like, Oh, being right protects me. Being right is equal to my safety. Now I'm a grown up. I'm an adult. So I cannot just keep acting that way, right? Because that behavior cannot just keep going and going and going unchecked. But I needed to understand that. I needed to see why this behavior was, how it was protecting me from something, what it was protecting me from in order to work with it differently. And I cannot, and listen, do I ever prove my point still to this day? You betcha. But yeah. I'm, it's, you know, right. But it's, it's so different. There's so much awareness of it. There's, and, and how quickly I'm like, oh, but I'm just trying to protect myself, right? Like I'm not actually trying to destroy the other person or like disconnect from my husband or whomever, right? Like there's something that I'm trying to protect. And when I can take a moment to be with that, then I can work with that differently. And right. That's the beauty of the pivot. It is that when we understand our stories, when we spend more time with our pain and our wounds, when we do some of this healing work, then we have more of that space in between. We know the that quote attributed to Viktor Frank between stimulus and response, right? Yeah. And it's like that 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 gap widens. That's the gap. Yeah. That gap widens. Yeah. Right? And then we can choose differently in that gap. That's mm. the goal. That's the hope. Right. That yes, beautiful. And that I think that leads me to my next question. Um because it's all safety. You know, I was having this conversation with my husband. Success was a way of me creating safety for me um, for a long time. And and an awareness of that, if I find myself kind of going in survival survival mode in my business or my mission or whatever, I'm like, hmm, what's, what's this? I, I know this pattern. This is my strongest right. pattern. This is how I got out of childhood. Um, and it's my ultimate safety hack, you know? Um, but what I, what I've noticed, and this has been the, the kind of the thing that I've noticed, especially as a mom to, um, to a toddler, um, is I, I'm, a quote that I love by Mary Morrissey is notice what you notice. It's kind of similar to that, just like noticing. And I'm finding myself 
all like vigilantly noticing what I'm noticing. Cause I, I, it's interesting, although I've known my patterns for a long time and yes, they're easier to identify, man, they love to creep on in like more often that I appreciate. And so, <laughs> and I wanted to ask about that. Um, cause the kind of the consensus is that if these patterns were driving you for decades and kept yeah. you in survival, um, and, and, and allowed you to make it through, you know, are they, are they, are they always going to be there? Um, and you're just, and it's just a matter of awareness and just like, you know, the curiosity of like, oh, this is what's coming up or, oh, here it comes. You know, I was curious, yeah. um, if it, if it ever yeah. stops, <laughs> you have to work with them very carefully because the things that allowed us to survive, mm, we love them. Thank you. Yeah. We thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this idea that like, you gotta go. Like think, you know, if it had feelings, <laughs> I'd be like, excuse, uh, excuse me. me, right? Like, what do you mean? I like helped you. Through we were besties. Long time like <laughs> we were besties. Right. So it's like, you have to have to be very careful mm -hmm. and, and to really think it, think of it as an entity. Right. Mm -hmm. I love, there's a quote that a colleague of mine says, Dr. Alexander Solomon, she says, um, our, uh, our gifts and our pain are next door neighbors. Hmm. Hmm. That's important because so many of us, you and me, we know, and a lot of people listening are going to say, I wouldn't be who I am today without what I went through. You're right. Of course you wouldn't be, right? Your gifts, so many of our gifts, right? They come out of the pain, the wounds, the trauma, right? I don't miss a beat. Oh no, <laughs> I am reliable. So damn good. Yeah, exactly. I, like, you know, I watched every detail because I was around somebody who switched details. So I up here, I don't, I don't miss a beat. I remember everything. You can't get anything by me. This is a gift. It's part of why I'm a great therapist, right? It's like, I can remember all of the things I'm tracking. I see what's going on, right? It's like, I got really good at that, right? So we know so many of our gifts come from this place, but there's a point in our lives where we're either going to be continue to be motivated by the pain or it's going to be motivated by the healing. Sometimes people are afraid that if I do this healing work, I'm going to lose my gifts. Mm. You're not going to lose your gifts. Mm. You're not going to lose your gifts. And why this is important is that like we're having to work with this. Like they're not going to go away entirely. <laughs> where you're like, is there ever a day where it's not anyway? You know, it's like, uh, like they hang out with us sometimes, but like maybe less frequently, or they're like under a rock or, um, oh gosh, what was that movie? Um, shoot. American, American mind dream. What was the, do you remember the guy in, uh, was a professor in Princeton university. He was schizophrenic. He was, Oh yeah. Things. Yeah. A beautiful mind. I think a it's beautiful a beautiful mind. mind. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not American mind. I was oh. just watching American Symphony last night. A beautiful mind. <laughs> I was right? too. And you know how at the oh my goodness, oh, amazing. Oh, okay, amazing. <laughs> we'll that later. Mind blown. Um, you you know how at the end of that movie, he sees who he sees at the end, but he's like, no, no. Is are they there? And the the guy he's talking to is like, no, right. And it's like they visit less frequently, mm. right? It's like 
and I, I have more tools with them. It does not mean that your system is never going to respond to something that it has experienced as a threat before, but you're going to check in with it differently. You relate to it differently. That pause, that gap that we were just talking about, it keeps extending, right? The more that we practice it, the muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So you get to a place in your life where it never is around. No, I don't think so. And I also don't think that that's the goal because thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, you don't need to be gone, gone. Like, thank you so much for helping me survive. Thank you so much for helping me get to the other side. You could stay right here, but I just don't need you as much. Right. I don't need you to be here as much. I, I, I've got the wheel now. Right. Cause we're mature, wise adults. I've got the wheel now. So I don't need you to take the wheel anymore right that's the goal and and so I think there's like a there's almost a level of respect (laughs) with it and that we're not trying to reject or throw you out or get rid of you right but it's like I'm going to relate to you differently but I'm also going to have a lot of gratitude for you because you saved me you know you you helped me survive you helped me get through that thing that's so helpful that's so helpful. That really does shift my my paradigm a bit. I feel like my my patterns have been coming up a little bit more recently. And I don't know if it's my kind of ushering into this new realm of of toddlerhood, but I it, they're just there's things. And so I was like, mm, mm. you know, and and <laughs> obviously I have that expansion. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, uh-huh. you just keep coming back. Uh-huh. I thought I kind of like created more space around you and and it's been fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. Like when I, I felt like we had a much more, a better understanding before and all of a mm-hmm. sudden um, it's shifted. And so that's yes. been a really interesting experience. Yeah. Well, it's right. Like the stages of life and mm-hmm. the chapters that we're in, you know, it's like, maybe you had a different relationship when you were childless, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah. So it's oh, like, yeah. I'm in this, I'm in this chapter and I'm in this stage. And, and so the, these activations, right. They like, they present again, or we're protecting it against something again. And I'm, that's what I mean is like the beauty of life. The beauty of relationships is that as we continue to move through life's journey, the stuff just presents differently. Mm, yeah. I feel like a protector and my, you know, as a mom, a you know, protector. And so my vigilance, which again, again, that hyper-awareness, my on top of everything, my indispensability is just stronger again um, because I find myself like the ultimate protector of my child and it's intense and I was like, I, I was, things were chill for a bit. And so now like, like there's this, mm-hmm. and I'm again, grateful for the skills. And I, my, when my, um, I became a mom, my husband was like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's you, but it's you as a mother. And he was like, I don't know if I'm ready for all of this. <laughs> like, it's like you, it's, it's like you 10 X. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know this was going to happen. Like, I didn't. Right. So it's like we meet new parts of ourselves mm-hmm. in these different chapters and in, in these different stages of life. And I think there's got to be a gentleness right? when the parts show back up, where you're like, I thought I dealt with you. <laughs> and it's like, it's back. And it's like, yeah, different chapter, different stage of life, 
different circumstances. You got to work with me again now, right? It's like we, it's like you have to. It's like layers of resolution, yeah, based that's... on where in life you are at. Right? Yeah, I think I just wasn't. I just didn't realize because it, and it's just, it all does feel like an old, an unfolding, but you're right. It feels like layers. This is an evolution. Um, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I get to, and I was one of the things I was, I was watching you on Instagram and of like, people are like, but I've done all the work I've been doing the work, you know, and these things are continuing to come up for me. And, and I, I, I loved, you know, how, um, you know, how you responded to that of just like, like kind of these, as you said, it was more like this evolution of, we kind of get to step into this next part. And, um, and that we're always, we're always just kind of dancing with that, that part of us in a way. Um, and I was like, okay, okay. I felt a little bit better, but I wanted to bring it up today because I feel, I know there are so many other, you know, women and moms that feel that, like feel these shifts and just like, oh my gosh, I, this, this, this kind of, I wouldn't call it, I don't know, would you call it wounding or just that part of who I was, um, that again, could be a superpower to some, but I, 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 I know that it's a part of my wounding too. So I identify it as wounding. I'm like, you know, people are like, oh gosh, you're this and you're that. I'm like, how did you become? And I'm like, trauma, like, <laughs> you're so on time. You're so accountable. You trauma. <laughs> trauma. You know, like- <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you had a question in there, but I probably lost the, uh, Oh, I was it, so. more so I was thinking in terms of, I apologize. Um, um, when these evolutions come up, what would you, I guess my, what is the recommendation just going back to the basics of kind of identifying and acknowledging and yes, exactly. Like it, it when there's that invitation, you have to think of it as an invitation. It's like okay. getting annoyed and frustrated by it. Right. Where it's like, yeah, when there's that invitation, when you're like, I thought I put a, like I put a lid on it. It's like, no, no, it's back. Right. It's like, then it means that there's something else that needs to be acknowledged again, right? Like there's, there's more witnessing that has to happen is different than maybe what you did before, because it's showing up, you know, with your son instead of, I don't know, an ex, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, in this chapter of life, it's showing up this way, but it's still asking me to witness something, right? There's still more to do here. There's still more to feel here. There's still more to be here. Right. And so, yeah, you do go back to the basics um, and, you know, I would just encourage, you know, a curiosity as opposed to, you know, the irritation or the frustration or the shame or the guilt or the embarrassment, whatever it is that wants to creep in. I pretty much say like, we got to trade everything out with curiosity as much as possible, as frequently as possible. Ooh, this is here for a reason. Everything's here for a reason. Everything's serving something, even if it's serving something that feels dysfunctional or, you know, disconnected for us. But our behaviors, like I was saying before, they all are serving something. They're protecting something. And that's our job to figure out what's it, what's it protecting? And do I need to get back in the driver's seat and say, wise, adult, mature me is here now? Okay. I don't need you to grab the wheel. My 12-year-old self or somebody. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. So yes, back to the basics, but trade out everything with curiosity, right? Try to bring that compassion. Try to remember that in the activation, something historical is presenting. Our job is to try to figure that out, understand it, connect to it, acknowledge it, honor it. Thank you. Yeah. That makes so much sense. 
Um, I wanted to shift a little bit to two family dynamics. I know we're living a time as we're recording this, it's during the holiday season and, yeah. and there are lots of events and dynamics and all the things. And let's say you are somebody who has been doing the work and you know that you're going to probably come into some confrontation or just, you know, you're going to do your best to manage, you know, manage that, or maybe kind of circumvent it as best as possible. But what do you recommend if somebody who has been wounded by family or, you know, has been doing the work around trying to heal a lot of these patterns, but knows they're about to like step into some of that um, kind of rehashed wounding, like you know, maybe that person hasn't shifted how they behave. Um, what would you recommend, you know, if, and, and obviously, you know, kind of like that dynamic with my grandma, like we know that's not, she's not, that's not going to change. Like you're going to get what you're going to get. And so like, mm -hmm. do you recommend people limit their time? Do you recommend people lovingly set boundaries? I'd love to hear a little bit about like, how do we navigate some of these crunchy moments where we know we're going to step into some of it? Yeah. All the healing in the world somehow goes out that window. I love the Ram Dass quote. That's like, uh, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yep. There it is. Um, important reminders. Yes. Stop being surprised by unsurprising things. I've been saying that a lot lately. Stop being surprised by unsurprising things, right? Remember who, you know, this person to be, right? We often find ourselves, well, maybe it's going to be different. I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to think it's, you know, we start entering into this space instead of being very clear with ourselves of what it is that we know we can expect. I think sometimes when we remind ourselves what it is we know that we can expect, we can be a little bit more prepared for that. Yes, of course, boundaries. You can limit your time. You do not need to stay overnight. You don't need to spend three days there. You can make, you have choice, right? As an adult, you have choice. A part of healing is the restoration of choice because so much of our pain and wounding and trauma comes the absence of choice. You have choice as an adult. You can get up from the table. You can go take a breather outside. You can go for a walk. You can have somebody on speed dial. You could, you could do whatever you need to do. You can leave early if you want to, right? All of those things are available to you, right? So honor them if you need to. Don't lock horns. Like we want to try to change people's minds and perspectives. And you want to use your voice and you want to stand up for something, right? And it's like, I feel very strongly about the moment you step into a power dynamic, a power struggle, you lose, you lose, you lose. They're unbudgeable. They're not going to shift. You're not going to convince no matter how sweetly or how much you're screaming it or whatever data points and research you're bringing to the table, right? Stop locking horns with people. All that does is create suffering. All that does is create misery. It's like you're interacting with a bot. <laughs> you know, it's like, stop, stop engaging the bots, right? It's like, if you know that it's not a conversation that has ever gone anywhere productive, right? Then choose to disengage, choose to exit, choose not to put your energy there, right? So, so much of this is like stepping in with the awareness. What do I know to be true? What can I expect? You know, sometimes we have to prepare for certain things. Okay. If somebody 
starts drinking too much, or if somebody starts talking about this subject, I want to talk about this stomach subject, or somebody wants to make a comment about, I don't know, something about me, how I look, what my weight is, the fact that I'm not here with a partner, one of the grandbabies coming, whatever the comment might be, right? It's like preparing yourself for that response and also what you can do that is soothing and supportive and grounding for you. And so I think so much of this, you know, yes, we're recording around the holidays, but regardless, like anytime we're in these interactions with, with family um, and it's like, remember these things and go into that, uh, you know, just sort of checking off some of those boxes before you actually enter into that system to prepare yourself well for it. Mm, that's so helpful. So, so very helpful. I really appreciate it. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much wisdom today, especially in the end of just like our dynamics and managing everyone right now during this time and during any time. Um, and I know you have a brand new podcast that you just launched. Would you love to yeah. share the, the details of that? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. This keeps happening. Um, it's a show where I speak with anonymous guests. And um, so, you know, it's not therapy. Um, I don't, I don't know the people it's a one-time one hour consultation, but it is a little like peek into what kind of happens behind, you know, the therapeutic closed doors, if you will. And it's really incredible. Um, you know, I, it's actually so much harder than therapy because I don't know the people and I have like a couple of sentences about them before we get started, but otherwise I don't know anything. And it's, remarkable to just be a part of the process of like what can happen when people sit down together and speak and are open and willing to be challenged and willing to explore and you know work towards something even though it's such a short amount of time I think people are really like surprised by how much gets accomplished I have been blown away by my guests. Um, so that's been a really fun project. And, you know, obviously the book, the origins of you, um, it's been, yeah, what a journey with it. Um, <laughs> some of the wounds that get activated, even as you write a book, who knew, oh, um, I bet and, yeah, just so lovely to have it out in the world. It became a national bestseller. So exciting. And so, yeah, I just love hearing from people how impactful the book has been for them. And uh, that's, that's why I wrote it. So, well, thank you. Thank you. And congratulations on that as well. I knew that it had become a national bestseller, such a big deal. And it's so powerful. And so I just want to really, as, as a testament, as someone who's read the book, and I just was so excited to dive into it. And it's been so helpful for me. Like, even if you feel like you've done the work, like there's just so much that your approach and the gentleness and um, it, it's just the way that you present the content is just beautiful. And it's been such such a, just such a gift, um, to me. So I know that there's so many women who are going to benefit from it and so many people in general. So thank you. As I mentioned in the interview growing up, I believe that you needed to have traumatic things happen to you in order to experience trauma. And over the years, my definition has changed because we now know that big traumas and little traumas cause our nervous system to adapt driving patterns and wounds that can stay with us for decades. We know that trauma lives in the body, right? That there's, that it's in our biology and it can show up not only in the behaviors and the way that we respond to people, but also it can show up as physical manifestations in terms of illnesses and chronic issues. 
Every one of us has had something happen to us that has overwhelmed our nervous system and caused the body to process the incident as trauma. And often we adapted that moment with behaviors and emotions to survive. Often these adaptations are com- were completely unconscious, right? They are just a part of who you are today. But what if you could identify these behaviors and emotions? And that's what we talked about today with Vienna, how that we can go back and bear witness to that moment, bear witness to the pain and be witnessed in that, not only for ourselves, but the people in our lives to witness the pain that we endured and to identify what those wounds are so that we can start to create that space so that we're not reacting the way to our patterns, that we start creating a little bit of spaciousness between things that happen to us in our life and how we respond to them. Because let's be honest, how we respond to everything and anything is how we are defined, right? It's life is going to keep happening to us. Like the, the punches are going to keep rolling, but it's how we respond in those moments that really determine who we are. And when we're able to understand you know, where some of these origins come from, our wounding origins, you know, the how we grew up. I mean, I'll tell you what, it just gives us so much perspective and it opens up the door for that space. One of the things that I love about Vienna's book, her national bestselling book, The Origins of You, is that she dives into the most in-depth questions to really identify what your childhood was like, what you may have overcome or gone through. And it starts to put the pieces together to the puzzle so that you can begin to heal your body. I believe that all of us deserve an opportunity to heal whatever happened to us when we were younger or whenever it may have been. And this book is such a beautiful resource to do just that. I am almost finished with the book. I've gone through so many of the questions. I've gotten even more clarity without having to like rehash all of the memories and all of that stuff that can sometimes overwhelm my system. And I get that it can overwhelm your system too. And I, so I think that she has done such a beautiful job in um, how she organized this book and how she presented the information in a way that really moves the needle for each of us in healing our childhood wounds and healing those traumas. So I highly recommend if this resonated with you today to go and grab the book. I will have it in the show notes and to also go take a look at her podcast, right? I thought that the concept was so cool that she has people come onto the show that she's never met and in one hour just really opens the door for possibility of healing. So the podcast is called This Keeps Happening. Now, if this episode, again, had a profound impact on you or just moved the needle in terms of your awareness on this, like there were aha moments that you had and there's someone in your life, like a family member, maybe a sister or a brother or a parent that you think this would really benefit, I highly recommend sending it on over to them. And then if, again, if this had a big impact on you and you have not rated the show yet, I would love for you to take just a couple seconds, go to the iTunes, you know, the iTunes page, and you just scroll on down and you can just rate it. There's a five-star rating. You just pick the stars. It takes less than three seconds to do it. And that just, what happens when you rate the show is it, it invites more people to come to find this show so that they hear powerful conversations like this, especially around women who are going through changes in midlife, who are, you know, going through what I call a reckoning. I feel like a lot of this comes up for review in our, in our 40s. 
right? Where we're just like, hey, what served me then is not going to serve me in this next journey. That's what I have learned. <laughs> That's what I am really in the journey of right now, especially as a mom is, you know, what, what am I taking with me in this next beautiful journey of mine? And what can I finally let go of? So again, take a moment, race the show, um, because I know that there are so many more women who are looking for this information. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.